season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Today is going to be episode number one of our Arkansas Sticks and JKR Podcast interview series. Huge series coming up here with one of the best travel ball teams in the nation. It's going to go six, seven, possibly even eight weeks of this series. Got a bunch of guys coming on, coaches, players, just a bunch of play, just a bunch of people involved in this great organization. I'm, I'm excited to dig into it, learn more about it. I'm glad to show you guys, give them a little platform to talk about their organization. For week number one, we got four guys coming on the show. Starting this week, we got the guy in charge we got chase brewster the owner and the head coach of the 17u arkansas sticks also started his own podcast series this week it's called the chase brewster show it's on youtube follow him on instagram it's called watch the cb show uh super cool i've been i've watched these first two episodes really enjoying them um but for the rest of the weekend we got three other guys three prospects who are on that 17u arkansas sticks team we got sam silas uh, Jacksonville State commit for the class of 2023 coming on tomorrow. Then Saturday, we got Brex Caldwell. He's actually on the 16U sticks. He's a 2024 Oklahoma State commit from the state of Oklahoma. Um, and then Sunday, to round it off, we got Logan Davis, 2023 Arkansas Little Rock commit. Um, so super excited to start this week, number one. Super excited to get all these guys on, learn more about the organization. Um, but today, we discuss overall, we talk about the family atmosphere of the Arkansas sticks, just getting players recruited, the relationships that Coach Brewster has with college coaches, agents slash advisors, and just everybody within the baseball world, um, and just much more. Um, so let's dig into it. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do, and let's roll. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Travel Ball Powerhouse Arkansas Sticks founder and owner, head coach for the 17U team. We got Chase Brewster on the show. Chase, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We uh, we definitely appreciate, you know, not only having me on, but, you know, everything you've done for the players that have been on the show from our program and really from every program. You know, I know you've had a lot of Indiana Bulls guys on and USA Prime and, and obviously a lot of Sticks players. So we appreciate everything you do. Uh, for summer baseball as a whole and, and for baseball, the whole community. I know we're excited for the good things you're doing. So I appreciate you having me on today. I appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate you everything you've done with the sticks program. I mean, I've, I've had jet trip, Josh and Sean on so far. And I mean, they can, all they say is just nothing but great things about you and your organization. So I'm really excited to dig into it, how it all got started. Um, but one question before we do dig into the sticks organization, uh, one question I do like to ask everybody just, just to get started is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Chase Brewster? That's a great question. I would just, uh, you know, I think, um, I, you know, it's actually a great question cause I don't have a good answer, which rarely happens. I think, you know, I think I would just like to be known as Chase Brewster, which is cliche. You know, I don't think it has to be coach. I don't think it has to be owner. You know, I don't, I don't think I even have to have a sticks title with it. As I get older and as I kind of transform into the second part of my career, 
you know, I think just, just wearing a lot of hats and um, staying true to who I am is something that's very important to me. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, Chase Brewster, the man is, is becoming important. And as I get older, even more so with the values and um, just my name as a whole and, and, you know, my character, I think that um, I, I'm just really proud right now to, and, and would definitely love to be introduced and excited to, to just to take coach off of it, to take owner off of it and just let people make their own assumptions. I um, mean, just go by Chase Brewster. So uh, I don't know if that's a good answer or a bad answer or a cliche, but um, I, I think that it's – I think it's important that people make judgment. As we're getting off into other business ventures and, and you know, baseball has been my whole life and I owe everything to the game of baseball, but now that we're in other sectors of business, just, just getting introduced as Chase Brewster and letting people form their own opinion, it's been one of the, the best parts about this second part of my uh, kind of adulthood. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely like a thought provoking answer right there. We I mean, got we got me uh, thinking. But um, as we dig into the Sticks organization, I know you said um, you want to be known as Chase Brewster, but you are listed as the owner and president of the Arkansas Sticks. So let's dig into how that or how you started the organization and really when that all started. No, our first group was 2017. I had a little travel ball experience before that. And just, I mean, honestly, I got to give all the credit in the world to Steve Landers and Zach Bottoms. Um, Steve started back then. We were called the EI Sticks, Extra Inning Sticks. Steve started it. He hired a guy named Zach Bottoms who, who they just did a great job of building the cast. And, and I'd like to think I did a really good job on my end. And um, things kind of transformed and went different ways. We started in 2017. We were called Extra Inning Sticks the first year. Just had a great phenomenal group I think we had two teams maybe is what we started out with next year we um, I think the next year was when we changed it to Sticks Baseball Academy had five teams and I took over after that and, and uh, became the full-time owner and president and, and kind of started it a kind of started as a new entity of Arkansas Sticks Baseball we went to 10 teams in 2000 and that 19 summer we had 10 teams and now we've had anywhere from 20 to 25 teams every year. We have three teams in Arizona for our Southwest Sticks team. We have five to eight teams in New York for Sticks Southwest. Um, so it, it's it's been a blessing, and it, and it just started with a hobby, um, and it started working with just such great people. I can't say enough good things about Steve Landers, the mentor he's been to me, and um, he's obviously one of the most successful business people in, you know ever regardless of city or state. And he's just been a huge mentor to me and just kind of turning me over with it. And, and I've always been super creative and, you know, marketing has always been my strong point in relationships and taking care of people, and, um, you know, between me and Steve. And we've had a bunch of other people along the way, Tyler Sawyer, Dirk Kenny, Kyle Slayton, Brett Husky, uh, guys that have, you know, Blaine Tanner, my wife, Alicia, guys and girls that have, you know, made a true impact behind the scene to make this thing go. But, um, that's how it all started. It started with a need to, to kind of nobody had any players out of Southwest Arkansas, which is where I was working at the time. I was at Genoa Central. We were, you know, um, we had a stretch between 2012 and 14 where we won two state championships. We were like, I don't know, 101 and seven or something in a three-year span, and we were playing all these good teams in Southwest Arkansas, and they were just playing leisure and not playing at all. And, and that's kind of how that first team was really put together we had Connor Nolan who uh was the best arm in the state from Greenwood who went on he's playing with the Cubs now and we had Jacoby Jackson who was the number one hitter in the state and at the time as a phenom at 15 16 
those were the first two players we ever got. I can remember exactly where I was standing when they both committed to play with us. Um, and so we had the number one hitter in, in that group, and we had the number one pitcher, and all the other pieces fell together. And uh, we hadn't really looked back since. So it's been a blessing, and uh, it, it's it's come a long way since those days of, of just dreaming about having one team. And now we have more teams than you can count. But it's been a fun ride. So when you guys did start in 2017, you were a high school baseball coach beforehand, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So how did you get – so going from, you know, you, you graduate high school, I assume you played ball in high school, you played ball growing up. So how did you transition to becoming a coach and coaching these younger minds? Um, how long did you coach before you actually started the Sticks program in 2017? I was a terrible player, if you could even call me that. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I played football and just really was a part of a baseball program to get out of spring football. All my friends played baseball, Coach Welch and Coach Benny at Texas High, they treated me, you know, as good as you could ever treat a kid. And we, we, were, stream, we were extremely um, poor growing up and, and, you know, just trying to do anything I can to help get my college paid for. So I went to Texas Tech College with Coach Will Bowl, who is now the head coach at Nebraska. And, Justin Seeley was an assistant who's now at Oklahoma State, and Brad Flanders was the other coach who's now with the Padres. Um, they were at Texarkana College. I got a scholarship to be a student assistant um, and just, man, I, I was really just in love with baseball. I loved it, never missed a practice, never, you know, never missed a meeting. and was just kind of a, a gym rat, so to say, and just loved it, man, and it helped pay for my education. And, you know, all my best friends were there, and we were really good. We won the conference championship in 2008. And then in 2009, Coach Bolt asked me to stay on as an assistant coach um, as I was transferring to our four-year school to, to, to work on my degree. So I was there with Coach in 2009. We won the conference again. I got to help with recruiting. I got to help with pitchers and catchers with Brad Flanders. So at that point, Lance Arvelli came on staff. He's not in Nebraska, too. So I got to work with just some of the greatest people as a youth I was like any other kid, young, dumb, thought I knew everything. And those guys, man, they just took me in with open arms. And for a guy that, you know, I don't look the part, I'm, I'm you know, I'm overweight, I'm whatever, but I, I, I got to learn from such great people that it didn't really seem to matter. And uh, I can't thank those guys enough for everything they did. So, unfortunately, Texas County College got rid of its athletic program, um, financial cuts and budgets and all that stuff. And it was a sad deal. It still is. Um, such a great program. Coach Van Horn, Coach there, Coach Childress, Coach Diggs. I mean, just a bunch of legends came through there and a lot of good players, Hunter Pence and um, a lot of good players. So they had to get rid of their program. So I was finishing up my degree, went over to Genoa Central, which is probably 20 minutes from my house. Um, they had a good program. Jonathan Gosden, who I'm forever in debt to for taking me in. Jonathan, he was doing everything by himself. He had no assistant coach. He had no help. Um, and they had played in the semifinals the year before, and, and he was a very offensive-minded player. He, he had went to Northwestern State out of high school. He's a shortstop, and I had been working with pitchers and catchers, and we had another coach come in at the same time, Kevin Huff, who had just tremendous leader and uh, mentor in the community and just just unbelievable person. So we all kind of came together at the same time, 2011. 2011, we make it to the second round. Come back 2012, we win the whole thing, go 31-1. and 2013, our best two players get hurt. Um, we make it to the semifinals, go 29-3 and three maybe, or get beat in the semifinals, get everybody back for 14. We go 31-1 and one and again, win it all again. 
Then in 15, I take over for the head coach. I take over as the head coach, uh, win the most games in, in 3A that year, uh, won the regional championship and, and made a run, had a really good team, unfortunately didn't win it. And then in 2016, 2017, I was the co-head coach for TJ Cox. Um, just unbelievably, unbelievable time in my career. TJ had played at University of Arkansas Monticello. He had worked there with John Harvey, who's a legend. And TJ was was I was actually older than TJ, and he was kind of coming into his own, um, and coming into high school baseball. He really had no clue about you know schedule and traveling, who was any good in our conference, and, and kind of how it worked. And so I was able to teach a little bit for the first time ever. You know, I'm probably, I don't know how old I was, 27, 28, maybe at the most. And I'm getting to teach a guy who has just worked with one of the best coaches ever. And he knows baseball. He knows everything. But he doesn't really know how it all works in the high school element. So getting to to work with TJ was just so much fun. We won the regional in 2017, I guess, 2006, no, 2017, we won the regional together. Um, and it was just a blessing, and, um, you know, owe him a lot for just, you know, letting me teach him and invent a bunch when, when he didn't have to. And uh, he, he was great to work with, and he knew an unbelievable amount when it comes to X's and O's, and the kids love him. So at that point, you know, Genoa Central had been such a good run. I was so happy. I had a lot of job offers. Um, more than I probably deserved over those seven years. And I was just so happy. And, um, you know, we were winning and life was great and I was happy. And, you know, all of a sudden I look up, we got a new superintendent, we got a new high school principal, new middle school principal, new athletic director. You know, everything had just changed over time. And we started to have so many teams with the sticks that it was just becoming like I had two full-time jobs. And, you know, I love baseball. I love everything about it. Everything we were doing in the fall, and baseball, going to all the big events in Florida and Arizona, it was taking me away. I was using all my personal days. I just said, man, what if I do this full-time? What if I just went full-time and just really got after it and gave everything we could to helping kids and, you know, setting up a real fall program and, and playing a more detailed summer program and not having to worry about some of the rules that the state has on, you know, dead periods and stuff like that. So we just took a leap of faith, and uh, it was our – you know, we played like that summer in 17 and and uh, left Genoa in 17. And we had, we had played that summer in 17. And then we just kind of took it full time from there. So took it full time and hadn't looked back. And now it's been, you know, pretty much baseball every day of my life. And, and you know, hopefully I, I don't know if I'll ever go back to the high school classroom or college or whatever. But for the time being, it's been the greatest gift I could ask for to get to work every day of my life in some capacity with high school or I get to work with high school players but you know even while they're in college you know we get to travel to watch them play and even some of our guys in pro ball now you don't got to worry about sick days or asking off you know having to do a bus ride or anything like that so it's been a blessing and I'm thankful for it every day. So how how long was that overlap in between when you were coaching both at Genoa and for the sticks how long two years two years two years was our overlap. Okay. So obviously, like you mentioned, that was a big challenge for you. But what were some of the biggest challenges when it came to worrying about Genoa and worrying about the sticks as well? Like just on the day-to-day operation side of things. The biggest, the biggest, and one of the main reasons I got out of teaching high school, and this is funny, but it's true. The biggest hurdle was we didn't have service in our building. So mm-hmm. every call, every text, every everything, I'd have to go outside to do it. 
and I was just ate up with it. Like I loved it and I was just almost addicted. And um, I just, I couldn't work the phones the way I needed to. Our, you know, Twitter was blocked, Instagram was blocked. And, and we had some ways as teachers to get around it. But, you know, all I'm focusing on every day is just trying to put teams together and, you know, trying to get new players and just ate up with it. And, uh, you know, you just, you didn't have the access to communicate. And, you know, my teaching responsibilities weren't anything that, I, I couldn't do both. I mean, it, it wasn't like I was required to do a whole lot in the classroom, to be honest, but um, just, just really the communication gap was the hardest. And I, and I don't, you know, I'm very blessed. I mean, there a lot of people have it worse than me. I would be lying if I said it was hard to do both. I mean, it, it was very time constrenuous and, and, but to me, you know, I don't have a bunch of hobbies. I, I love baseball. I watch it every night. I, you know, I make games. I go to all these high school games. I mean, it wasn't anything that I didn't want to do. So, I really couldn't complain about anything. I mean, we, we worked very hard, as you know. We won a ton of games, and uh, it, it never felt like I had to go to work one day or practice. Or, you know, I loved working with Gosden and Huff and, and TJ and Forrest Kearley for a while. I mean, we had a great time, and it never felt like work. And the sticks, you know, didn't, didn't really either. It was such a blessing and probably some of the happier days in my life, honestly. We were winning. We were winning every time we turned around, both, you know, in Genoa Green and, and Sticks Navy. I mean, it felt like every time we did something, it was a hit. Um, it, it was a lot simpler back then having one or two Sticks teams and one high school team. And, you know, the, I'll tell you this, the one big difference and the, the one thing I miss about it is it's, you know, I was at Genoa for seven years and we, every time we played every every spring, we knew we had a chance to win a conference championship and we knew we had a chance to win a state championship. And I, and I do miss that. I miss the fact that, um, you know, I was at Genoa seven years. We played in the conference championship seven times. We won it, I think, four. We played in the regional championship all seven times. We won it, I think, five times. And played in the state championship twice, played in the semis a handful of times. I mean, you know, it was always fun to know that we had really good players. We had a school system that believed in us. We had great assistants and, you know, great head coach to work with and, uh, so that part of it has been challenging moving forward, but while it was going on at the same time, and it was a blast every single day. Yeah. So you did you did mention this here um, a couple minutes ago, but when did that idea to start the Arkansas Sticks? When did that come about, and what was that motivation? I know you, like I said, you did touch on that a little bit earlier on, but kind of take us through where that idea came from to start this. It was the nine inning sticks at that time, and then what was the extra, uh, extra inning sticks extra, at that time? Extra, extra inning sticks, and then what was it? I'm sorry, what was the second part of the question? I apologize. Just, just where, the, where the idea came from and what the motivation was to start the Sticks program. I had had my own team for three years. We were one team. It was an 18U team, and everybody, like, if you were a good freshman, you played with the seniors, and it was just a hobby and fun, and I probably lost money. I have no idea. I mean, I, I really don't. We didn't know what we know now. I mean, we just loved it. And then I went and coached in the collegiate league, the Lewis and Clark League. We had the best team in the league. We had the best record in the league, and, um, some some administration things happened and it just wasn't great but I loved coaching like I was one of the only high school coaches in the collegiate league and I love coaching in the collegiate league like we had a collegiate league set up in St. Louis or outside of St. Louis and Elsa where um, you played like Friday Saturday Sunday and I was really trying to get in a collegiate league that played every day I, I loved it and it was such a great experience and I, and I interviewed at some different leagues the Valley um, the Valley League interviewed me in and, and, and New Market, and I really thought that was going to be the fit. And then 
something just kept tugging on me. And, and at the same time, you know, Frank Halter, who is now a business partner of mine, somebody I love dearly, Frank and Shane, they had started something called Southern Athletics. So that was kind of locally based, Southern Athletics Baseball Academy. And he had, he had offered me a job and he had been in my ear. And I was kind of starting to think about it because I love Frank and Shane so much. And all of a sudden, you know, I knew Zach from when Zach was in college and Zach re recruited a bunch of our players. We had a great relationship. And then, I mean, just about every day he would text me and just him and Steve's vision. And, and I don't want to get too personal in it, but everything I needed to be successful was going to be at my fingertips and, a, and a, a passion from a group of people that really wanted kids to succeed. I mean, that's all they wanted. They wanted to give me all the tools to succeed. So um, as happy as I was coaching the collegiate league, I had Frank who really, he had kind of first got me started. And it was probably going to be more locally driven. You know, they had a facility, which, I, you know, I didn't really want to give lessons. I don't think that's my niche. I want to help people um, if they need help. I don't want to, you know, go in a building every day and flip balls. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I wanted to just run teams and, so Frank had kind of got me coming around the corner and then Zach just started wearing me out with, um, you know, kind of the vision and the idea and just stuff that we thought would work to be successful. And then obviously Steve was a legend, you know, Landers is the man. And when I finally talked to him, I was just blown away with, with how he wanted to help kids and, you know, how he wanted to make sure everybody had all the tools they needed to be successful. And that was it. Like I was, I was, I was sold on those guys and their vision and, um, it really broke my heart not to do the deal with Frank and Shane because I had so much respect for them. But luckily, on the forefront, it came back around, and now we're all together, and, and, and SABA turned into Sticks Baseball. And Shane runs our youth academy in Texarkana and does such a great job. He played in the big leagues for 10 years. and um, So now we got the best of both worlds, and that, and that was really it, just people, people that I respect and I looked up to and, and thought the world of. And, um Zach and Steve did a great job of just, you know, almost being relentless and just going like, hey, I know this will work, but we need you. And and eventually they got me, and, and uh, I'd like to think it's worked out ever since, knock on wood. So you, you did say that you had your own team there for, for three years before, that, before the organization started. But when it did come time to kind of recruit that first class, of, that first class for that first summer of the Sticks program, and you said you got Nolan and a couple other guys, but how did you guys go about that recruiting process or reach or just outreach to try to get players for that first sticks team? So we had a conference call and a guy that I respect and thank the world of one of the best coaches the state's ever had, Tommy Richardson. I think Tommy's won like seven state championships. We had a conference call. It was me, Tommy Richardson, and, and another legend named Shane Fullerton. And Shane had a really good player, Division One shortstop. And Tommy had a Division One infielder, right-handed pitcher. And, and then the conversation was all for us to come together and kind of build one team. And unfortunately, and Shane, if you ever hear this, I love you. Shane decided to go with a different organization. So that left me and Tommy. Tommy had a catcher, another infielder, and maybe an arm. You know, Tommy had a handful of pieces in his region of the state that were really good college baseball players. And then I had some guys in the southwest region, like Tyler Moreland went to my high school. He ended up playing at Arkansas State, right-handed pitcher, unbelievable outfielder. Um, so Bryson Haskins, Kobe Atkins, like these guys were Division One talents that were, you know, 20, 30 minutes away from me that nobody had ever asked to play, like in Little Rock or wherever, because they just didn't respect or see or notice the Southwest, whatever word you want to use. That was the base. That was seven or eight kids. It, it happened overnight. I mean, it was easy. And uh, it, it was easy because they didn't have a team to play for, you know, what should have been the hard part was getting the top arm and the top 
um, position player in the state. It happened overnight, and I can't thank, you know, Jacoby's parents and grandparents for believing in us and Connor's parents. I mean, uh, Frank and Angie, man, we, we love those guys so much. They they bought in from day one. Like Frank said, Frank Nolan said, hey, Connor's playing. Con- See, a lot of people don't really know this, but Connor grew up in Vegas. And not actually Reno. He grew up in Reno. Uh, Nevada is more accurate. But um, Connor transferred somewhere his ninth grade year in Arkansas. So, like, it wasn't like Connor was this prized possession everybody was going after as good as he was. We didn't know who he was. And he moved into Greenwood to live with his grandparents. And um, so he didn't have a summer team. And, and Frank just really believed in us. And Jacoby had been playing like 18 U Dixie as a 14 year old, I think. And he had played, also had played with, with, with another organization, maybe. But um, those guys came over first, and we were able to get like Jalen DeSazer that ended up playing at Arkansas State. He went right up the street, uh, high school. And, with Jacoby and was just able to kind of build like that. And that first team, it didn't have a lot of players on it. Like, like you see these teams now, but um, they had a lot of, a lot of great players. Jaden Hill was on that team. They ended up being a second rounder. Um, so it was a really talented team and we, we just got after it and we didn't have a bunch of players. The good thing about that team was almost everybody was juniors. No, almost everybody was sophomores. So they got to come back the next year, like the majority of the group. So we had like Jacoby, and Will Richardson and Matt Aiken and some of those guys for two years. And that second year is where we really took off. Jaden Hill, Connor Nolan, all those guys um, were on that team that got to come back the next year, which is where we really just blew up. And we added Connor McCullough, who went to Arkansas and then K-State. We added um, Evan Hyatt, who went to South with Arkansas and K-State. Kaysen Salet, who went to Arkansas out of high school. Jesse Pearson went to Arkansas out of high school. He's now at Nevada. Um, I'm forgetting people, and I apologize if you hear this. You know, we love you guys. Kirby Jenkins was on that team. He went to St. Louis. Um, Alex Day was on that team. He went to LSU for a semester and then went to Henderson. So we 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 had all those guys back from the first team, and we picked up the next team, and it just took off. And that's the year. Well, that was the first time we ever went to WWBA. We made the playoffs. Jaden hit 95. We were all over social media for the first time. We had the All-Navy zone. I would like to thank before everybody else or the majority of everybody else, Jaden had the All-Navy zone when he hit 95. And, you know, we made the playoffs. We played the number one team in the country, Central Florida Gators. Matthew Libertor from the Cardinals pitched against us. Nolan Gorman was on that team from the Cardinals playing short. It was a huge deal. I mean, they beat us. It was a five-inning game. Um, but that was kind of it. That was, that was when we started. Uh, Blake Adams was on that team who – uh, just got drafted by the Rockies and, and played at Arkansas and K-State. So it was a lot of fun. And 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 from there, we've just kind of taken off and never looked back. But that was our first group. And that first group kind of transformed into that second group. And that second group got a little bit of taste of the perfect game. And now it's it's every time we play, it feels like it's in Atlanta or, you know, West Palm or somewhere that's a big event. So as you were going through that 2017 summer with all those big-time guys that you mentioned, when did it start going to your head that, okay, maybe we're going to, maybe we're going to start hiring more coaches, adding more teams of different age groups. How did, after that first year, how did that all evolve to where you're at now with multiple teams in Arkansas? And then um, I guess kind of, you can kind of dig into how you guys moved into having teams in New York and Arizona as well. So, I mean, that's kind of, I know that's a loaded question and I mean, just dig into it as much as you want, but I mean, just how did you guys evolve from just that one team in 2017 to bringing back all those guys for that 2018 summer? And just how did you start adding all those teams? You know, the one thing that was very important to me was I felt like we weren't doing a lot of justice 
by having just one team and like having the best sophomores play with the juniors. I'm not saying it never happens. Like, don't get me wrong. We've had, uh, we've had sophomores play up. We've had freshmen at times play up. It definitely happens. But what we wanted to do was make one freshman team, you know, people like to call it the elite. I try not to label it, but basically we wanted to have one loaded group in each grade. And so that was phase one was to have, we had one really good team, and that went the first two years. And then we tried to transform it into have a great freshman team that plays in, in some PG events, have a great sophomore that plays in some PG events, and have a great 17U team that I coached that played in some events. Um, and, and I think over time our goal was not only to do it by age, but to get to more events. And so that's what we kind of did. And we it's really hard to find great coaches. I mean, I'll hear all the time, oh, the Sticks have too many kids. You know, they have too many teams. I don't think that's true. I don't think we have enough good coaches and I don't make that a slack as anybody. We have really good guys that know X's and O's and they're great guys and they know bunt defense, but they just don't relate to the kids sometimes. And that makes a bad experience for the kids. We have coaches that don't know the rules. It feels like at times and I'm confused on why they call steel in this situation, but they're very interactive. They don't care if a kid makes an error. They, they love it and they're having a time of their life, which means the kids have a great time. So we just started kind of trial and error, trying to find good coaches, trying to find guys that wanted to travel a little bit and just just kept adding good players. And I think anybody will tell you we just treated people right. I mean, we started adding kids, Wade Elliott from Oklahoma, you know, Jesse Pierce from Nevada, you know, now all of a sudden you fast forward to summer of 2022 and my shortstops from, you know, Texas, my second baseman's from Alabama, my third baseman's from Hawaii, um, my my one catcher from Florida, one catcher from Arkansas, left fielders from Ohio, the other left fielders from Arkansas, so right fielders from Georgia, both other right fielders from Georgia. So you look up and, you know, you fast forward and it's it's just, I think, word of mouth of treating people right. And that's what we tried to do from day one when we expanded. We've just tried to get – I never want a kid to hit 11th. Like, I don't want somebody to play on my team and hit 11th and you're a shortstop, but you got to play left field. I'm not saying it never happens. But that's why we started creating these other teams. And what a lot of teams were doing was they were making, oh, this is our best team, 1 through 15. This is our second team, 16 through 30. This is our third team, you know, 40, you know, 31 through 45, whatever. What I did was we had like the the Brewster team, the whatever team, the Slayton team, the record team that traveled. And then we kind of started making the other teams as even as we could. Um, you know, every team needed a good shortstop. Every team needed a good catcher. Every team needed some good arms. Parents don't believe me, but that's what we tried to do. And people would be like, oh, my kid's on the worst team. Some teams just play better than others. I, I literally the last, you know, three, four, five years have not done it. Like, oh, that's our second team. I, I really don't feel that way. And, and, you know, you can't ever convince people of that. But that's the different role we took. I took in trying to have a chance where every team that played had a chance to make the playoffs. I didn't want one team winning it and one team going on four. I just wanted teams to play as many games as they could. And I didn't want guys to play out of position. You know, you have, you know, you have these four shortstops. They're all shortstops, you know, and they're all leadoff or nine hole hitters, whichever one. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, one of those guys is playing second, one's playing left field, one's DH on a quote-unquote second team. You know, they're not a hitting leadoff or nine hole. Now they're in these spots they don't need to be in. So I just started spacing it out, and we just started working really hard. The thing we have better than anybody else in our area is depth. And 
again, people say, oh, you got too many players. We need all the players we can get because the way we build the rosters are, we tried to build them from the inside out, catchers, shortstop, center fielders, pitchers. And then from there, we want to make sure we have true third baseman. I, I don't want a, um, you know, I don't want a left fielder playing third base like some programs have just because that's the only thing they have available. I mean, we want to go get the best players we can get. And that's why we started drawing from East Texas, from Missouri, uh, you know, just, just anywhere, we, Oklahoma, anywhere we can get good players from on a regional basis because we want our teams to have as much depth as possible, which is going to give us a chance to play the most games as possible. So, um, you know, as we started adding players and we started treating people right, you know, it just got to be bigger and bigger and you need more coaches. And, you know, luckily the majority of the coaches we've hired have been great people. I would be lying if I said it was a perfect system. But it's trial and error. You don't know who's going to do what. Um, you know, I think everybody that we've had has done their definition of treating everybody right and has, has done a good job in that aspect. But we've, we've had to, you know, change a little bit and, and try to find guys that's going to make for a good experience. You know, right now, Banana Land's on every week, and they're talking about Savannah Bananas. Who, you know, we know those, just seen those guys a little bit because we have the same uniform company. And what I was watching the other day and I, and I thought about, you know, he kept talking about experience, experience, experience. We have some of the best coaches in the country, or at least the state or however you want to word it. We just need to make sure that everybody's having a good experience. And, and um, I'm very proud of my guys on that end for the majority. And, um, you know, we've had good coaches. We've had great players. And, and we've just continued to see this thing grow. I don't know how it's going to grow or, or how whatever. But um, the, the Stick Southwest got started because – Rocky King's oldest son, who was also named Rocky King, played a little bit for us. He was a left-handed pitcher, and he went to UAPB, which is in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, it's a Division One. So he went from Phoenix, Verado High School in Phoenix, to Pine Bluff. So his next son coming up was a 2020, maybe 2021, left-handed hitting outfielder, top outfielder in the state. And that sophomore year, he flew in every week, and he played on our Arkansas Sticks team, and he was a great player. Like Jake King was a really good player. He ended up going to Northern Colorado, uh, which is a Division One also. But um, that sophomore summer, Rocky came to him, and he goes, hey, like, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, these guys aren't getting to see him. I mean, what do I do? Like, you know, Arkansas was recruiting him a little bit. We had really good players, and everybody was coming to watch. But the majority of our players were from the South. The majority of our coaches that were coming to watch were from the South. So I just – Rocky goes, we've got some other good guys that want to come play, but, like, everybody, you know, they're from the West Coast. They want to play on the West Coast. So that's just kind of how we started Sticks uh, Southwest. A guy named um, Finn, Coach Finn, who just did a – John Finn, he played at Arizona State. He did a fantastic job, and he had a good group. And John brought his group over, and Dylan Orr, who's in Tennessee now, and Austin Humphreys at Arizona State. Jacob Tobias was freshman of the year at Arizona State. Um, Kobe Felix, who was a phenomenal player, um, Treg Otten, who's going to Ole Miss, all those guys right at Arizona. And they started playing with us, and, and our um, Stick Southwest team was really, really talented. And, and you know, we're, we're it's a different world out there. I mean, we're not really growing it as fast on purpose. They A lot of the high schools play in the fall. So we're just kind of taking care of the kids that we need to or that want to be with us and getting the right kids out there. And it's been a great, great, great thing. Um, there, there's a lot of options in Arizona, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, because of the weather. So they play pretty much every day. And, and uh, you know, we have three to five teams out there. And then the Sticks Northeast thing just kind of happened organically. Sean Manning has been a huge mentor to me as well. I've coached with him at, at big events for, you know, the last seven or eight years. And it, it just kind of grew 
naturally in the fact that I ended up meeting a bunch of people from New York and ended up meeting someone, um, I actually met someone through someone through someone. I mean, Manny actually had nothing to do with it, but um, just met someone that had a really good program. They were ranked 11th in the country, I think, and they couldn't get into the big events. They had like kind of a small mom and pop program and they do a great job, but you know, they were applying for these PG events and they just couldn't get in. They couldn't understand why. So that was kind of their need to want to come over and to grow. And, and so we started Sticks Northeast up there and it's a blessing. I mean, I love it up there in the Northeast and, and we, we go to it three times a year. So it, it made a lot of sense to me. And I, and I think everything we've done business wise has just made sense. I mean, we go to Arizona twice a year to play. It makes sense to have kids in Arizona. It's a great state. There's a great population. I love the Northeast. It's same thing. Great state. Obviously, it's a lot colder, um, but great population of baseball players. Just uh, And also Luke Napolitano and Paul Napolitano. Luke was on my team in 20, 2019. That was so good. He played second base and shortstop. He ended up going to Kansas, and now he's at Stetson. But, um, so a lot of stuff just happened organically through meeting people and seeing how we were treating people and wanted to be a part of it, and I, I don't know where it's going to go. We have a partnership with the Mississauga Tigers in Ontario. Sean Travers and those guys do a great job. A lot of their players come down and play with us and, and some of the bigger stuff. And, um, you know, we've had some other people reach out about doing different states, but if something makes sense organically, we'll do it. But it's just, you know, if we have a large area of sticks players that are playing with us, we want to do something because, you know, most of the time they're great kids and great families if, if we're doing something with them in the beginning. So with those multiple teams at those different levels, do a lot of those teams, do they go to some of the big, t- the, the same tournaments? So obviously when you guys were at the WWBA, the coach, the 17 U Brewster, were they at the same tournament tournament as some of those other 17 U teams? Have you guys gotten the chance to play up against each other or for the most part, do they kind of go to different tournaments since they're in different parts of the uh, United States? Well, we had, um, so we had at the 17 U WWBA, for example, this year, we had sticks Hankins, which did a phenomenal job. They got put in the same star, the same pool of five star, um, and played really, really, really well against five star. We had Sticks Halter there, uh, and we had Sticks Moyer, which was a combo team of New York and Arkansas kids. So uh, we had four four teams at WWBA, which was a blessing for sure to have, and most of them competed. Sometimes, you know, it's not a fair fight in the pools, but um, that was a blessing. We we are sending more teams to PG events than ever. Last year, we made it a priority for all 20 teams to go to at least two perfect game events. Now, they weren't all WWBA or BCS or whatever, but um, it's very important to get them a profile and to get them, you know, get their velocities and their stats on there. So we wanted to make sure we did that. You know, the, the way I rank it is, this is this is how I feel about what a player should be looking for. A player should be, you know, trying to make his high school. Once he makes his high school, he should be trying to start for his high school. After that, he should be trying to be an all-conference you know, all-state type player, get a scholarship. And then once he does that, he should be trying to start focus on the draft. He either is a draft prospect who's trying to elevate that or he's a, not a draft prospect who needs to turn himself into a draft prospect because those are the kind of kids that play early when they get to college. Um, so, you know, that's on the left side of it. The right side of it is, you know, PBR did a study that said, you know, 90-something percent of the kids go to school within three hours of their house. So we have different teams set up for different levels. And those two factors combined, in my opinion. So, you know, let's say you're you're a 15-year-old kid. You have it. You might have made varsity, but you haven't started yet. Probably no reason for you to go to Atlanta, in my opinion. Now, it's great. It's fun. A lot of the parents enjoy it. But we need to do, you know, what's best for you locally, regionally, before we get to nationally. So we have teams that play different schedules for good and bad. Some people – 
you know, want to be in Atlanta every weekend, think it's the only way to do it. And some people think it's crazy to drive that far or fly. So um, we try to combat the best of both worlds. We do everything we can to, to, to have a good schedule for everybody involved. I really think there's a place for everybody to play. And if you believe that, then you know there's a schedule for everybody. There's there's different limitations for everybody. Uh, there's different you know headaches for everybody. So we have a we don't have one cookie cutter system. We have a couple of different situations, but um, we try hard to make sure everybody is in a place that will benefit yeah. benefit them. Excuse me. So with you being the head coach of that 17U team, how do you build relationships with some of those younger guys? Because obviously you know, I'm going to say like Bretton Clark, who's on the 20, the, the sixth oh, yeah. team this past summer. How do you how do you get to go and watch those guys? And how do you build relationships with those younger guys? So when they come and play with you for their 17U summer, like you guys already have that bond and already have that connection. You know, good or bad or whatever. The good thing about this is everybody wants to play on Sticks Brewster. And I'm very, very, very appreciative of that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, sometimes overwhelmed with, with how important it is to people. I, I don't know why it's turned into that, but I, I guess it's a good thing. Um, so it's my job to know every player and a lot of, of the better players. I mean, they follow me on Twitter and Instagram and they'll send us videos. And, um, you kind of know who a good player is right now. Um, and, and, and listen, good player can be defined a lot of different ways, but you kind of know the majority of the kids you need to know about. The, you know, our 26s are coming. First time ever we had an eighth grader commit and Spencer Browning um, commit to Arkansas. And, and so, you know, our, our 2026s are unbelievable. Noah Ragsdale and Dristel and, and Spencer Browning and Buck Anderson and Britt Birdwell and, you know, Carson Chambers. And, and you can go on and on. You know, you, you, you see them on Twitter and you see all the stuff. And, you know, you get to see them at Sticks Weekend and different events. And, so you kind of know, and, and we've done a very good job of building relationships with people across the state of Arkansas. Cesar Abreu, Evan Hammer in the Central. You got Corey Lambert, who runs Max Velocity in, in Jonesboro, where all our guys are. Um, so, you know, I get a lot of feedback already, but but then I get to check them out. And then whenever we go to, like, PBR Showdown, for example, um, you know, our 15s, our 16s, our 17s are all there. And we have multiple teams there. So they're all at late point. I get to see everybody play at the same time. Um, so stuff like that is just, you know, going out of my way uh, instead of just, I say going out of my way. I love it. It's not, it's not a hassle. But um, instead of going back to the hotel, going to eat with everybody else, we just, we run over to the next field. My game's done. We watch everybody. Um, you know, we just try to treat everybody as, as good as we can and, and make sure they kind of spread the love around. And it's, it's an imperfect science. There's people out there that think, you know, we don't see their kid enough or I don't for sure. Um, but we, we try to do everything we can and, and we have a great support system. Kyle Slade and Evan Hammer both now on full time where, you know, they should know every player in the program, just like I do. Um, and, and those guys are fantastic human beings and do a great job at their job. So um, it, it's becoming more than just me. It's becoming a handful of people that, that are, you know, the word's starting to spread. And, you know, all we can do is – all they can do is play well and all we can do is make sure we're, we're checking in every weekend to know who's doing well. But, you know, Brendan Clark lives like a street over from me, so that's an easy one-time way. You know, some of these kids we've gotten to watch grow up. And, and you know, we got Corey in Jonesboro. We got Shane in Texarkana. So, um, a lot of times, you know, you, you know more about kids than you probably should by the time they get to high school. You know, Facebook and, and parents are friends of you because – you know, they want to make – they think they're missing out. Like, you know, there's sixth graders wondering how they get on 17 new Brewster. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a joy and uh, it's grown into something I never thought it'd be. But, but like I said, all we can do is treat people right. 
all they can do is play hard and, and the roster are what they are. Sometimes, you know, you can have a really, really great first baseman who's done everything right and committed and he might just never play on my team because the other first baseman ahead of him is a draft guy. And, and you just have to have honest decisions. We're not one of those programs that's going to have, you know, 18 hitters and whoever doesn't like it can leave. We're going to, we're going to try hard to roll with 12 hitters and bat 10 a game and as many POs as we can get. And, and outside of a, you know, less than a handful of times, I mean, we've been able to take care of everybody, get everybody the innings they need on the mound at these events. And, um, you know, so it's a, it's a blessing, man. And I, like, again, I've said it a hundred times already, but I think it comes down to just treating people right. And, you know, going to going to watch other teams when you're tired or going to watch all these high school games. Like the year before COVID, which was also the year before I got married, I, I saw 77 high school games, you know, different states, different whatever. But, I mean, we we loved it, and, and I love watching our kids play, and we still do today. It's not nearly as much after COVID or after I got married. Um, it's not – that's the record for me is 77 in a season. But we watch as many as we can. Luckily, COVID introduced streaming for high school sports, so I get to watch a lot of those guys on the streaming platform. But – um, it's, it's been a blessing, man. It's a joy to, to watch these kids as they're younger and get older. And, and I don't look at it as a, as a, uh, a struggle to relate to them. I look at it as every year, there's a new group that we can impact and, you know, we can help and, and hopefully help them play college baseball and watch them, you know, play for their high schools and their communities and, and do good. And, you know, we're just a small vehicle of what they need. And, and um, you know, when, when they play with us into May through, you know, whenever we're done, July and then a little bit in the fall, man, we're just, just happy to have good players. So I, I look forward to it. It's exciting. And, um, you know, it's something that we uh, we we embrace as, rather than see as a burden. So as you as you guys move into these next couple of years, do you guys ever plan on make it like right now you guys have 15 U, 16, 17 and 18 U. Is the plan to even move down to maybe 13, 14 U as well? Or do you kind of want to stick at that high school level? And that's kind of just where you guys are sticking at and you, where your guys' main focus is at. You know, for me personally, the high school level is something that is a passion to me. I'm not – I don't want my hand in everything. And I think people with, close to me will tell you that. I'm not one of those that does this for money or that for fame or, you know, this for clout. Like, I, I don't – like, Shane Halter runs our youth in County. He's got 20-plus teams. He's amazing at what he does. Corey Lambert has 20-plus teams in Jonesboro. He's phenomenal at what he does with Todd Rose. And Cesar Brayu has teams in the River Valley and in the middle of the state. And, you know, we'd like to add a bigger presence in the middle of the state. We had a partnership that, that ended up, you know, not really being beneficial to either side. And they ended up going a different direction. But, you know, we need a bigger presence in the middle of the state. But it's not really something that I want to focus on. I think um, I love helping kids, especially, you know, find a college and pick out where they want to go and, you know, kind of excel in high school. But as far as the youth side, I don't need my hand in those pots. We have great people running it, and those guys do a phenomenal job. And 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 I just – I'm going to let those guys that kind of master in it do it. And, um, you know, I'll help when I need to help and, and whatever. But I just let those guys do what they need to do with them, and then they, they come up to us in high school. And obviously we, we, we're pretty good at what we do, so um, we get to help them when they get to high school. But I, I don't – I don't want to dabble personally in the youth just because there's no way I can be as successful and as helpful as I am in impacting the older kids if I'm uh, space too thin. So we, those guys do a phenomenal job. We, me and Corey Lambert and I and a couple other people have talked about doing a 13U and a 14U national team. And it's definitely on our agenda. It's definitely something we want to do. 
and it's something we're going to do, but it's got to fit right for everybody. We don't want a national team to say we have a national team. Like there's no point in that. And, um, you know, we, I promise you on the national side, it's not about making money because it is very expensive to do some of this stuff, especially, you know, those youth guys, they have to fly in and they'll fly in Friday. They'll play Saturday, Sunday, and then everybody's got to go back to school and work on Monday. It's kind of crazy sometimes, but, um, you know, because they play in March, April, May too. But um, we, we want it to benefit the kids. We need to have national level players at 13 and 14 to do it. Um, and we need to have, you know, group of parents that want to get after it and, and that don't mind the travel and, and all that stuff. And then we'll put the resources behind it. Obviously, our uniforms are second to none and we've got great coaches and we've got a great support system. So um, we're working to build that. And, and uh, you know, I think it's a mindset thing, too. A lot of parents think, hey, Saturday morning is when we play and we're done Sunday and you know, there's not a ton of travel. And, and uh, so we're working and it's something Corey and I have talked about. But right now, I'm just strictly handling the high school and Corey and Shane and Caesar and those guys are handling the youth. Okay. So for, for the most part, for let's say the 17U Brewster team, I'm not sure which, like the six, I'm not sure the names of the 16s, 15U teams. 16U Slayton and 15U Reckwith were our teams this summer that were um, kind of our top team in each age group. That, and those were just the coaches' names. Okay, so when it, when it does come to those top teams in each age group, obviously there's guys who are from, like you said, Texas, Alabama, who are playing on your team, and they're kind of finding their own, find, finding a way to get to those tournaments that are that are located across the country in Cary, Atlanta, Jupiter, where you guys where you guys are going here in a couple of weeks. But for some of those other teams, so do you guys have like facilities that are like Arkansas sticks facilities for maybe some of your local guys in Arkansas and Jonesboro? couple of those other towns you mentioned, do you guys have facilities that your players can go practice at or are you? So what we did was, what we did was part of our partnership was for them to have a place to train. So like Corey Lambert has a phenomenal facility in Jonesboro called Max Velocity. Uh, Shane Halter has an incredible facility. Uh, I mean, I guess it sticks, but it still says Southern Athletics on the building. And then across the street, Lucas Walker, who is, um, he played with the Dallas Cowboys, but it's Michael Walker's little brother with the with the Red Sox now with came up with the Cardinals. Um, they have like a like a dual facility weight room and big time facility in Texas Cannon. Caesar Brayu's got a place, a Brayu Baseball Academy in Russellville. So all our guys throughout the state have big time resources to get better. And and listen, I'm a firm believer in, in these guys that play with us, you know, development gets thrown out so much and you know, I think a lot of times high school coaches won't credit, you know, for all this stuff. And it, I mean, not high school coaches, but summer ball coaches won't credit for all this stuff. And they have phenomenal high school coaches. A lot of them have indoor facilities now. The majority of them have great coaches. So um, we have facilities for every kid to get better if that's what we want to do. Um, but I'm not a, I'm not one of these guys. And I know some of my friends like this, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not one of these guys that are pushing, like, hey, come do this. It's four-week this, whatever. Um, because I, I think it, it contradicts itself sometimes. I think high school baseball is very important. I think those guys trying to win a state church is very important. The last thing they need is, you know, me wanting to give their shortstop a fielding lesson in March um, because I need to keep my building open. So our, our youth facilities have great um, facility. Our youth teams have great facilities to train in. Our high school kids have access to all of them. Um, but, man, like, you know, Shane Halter's fielding lesson is unbelievable in November, you know, in December. I think it runs into January a little bit. We have different guys that do great things for our youth, and they have the facilities to get better. But on the high school side, 
it's more of a um, I'm very honest. Like a lot of guys lie, and they even you know, there's programs that charge you for practice, quote unquote. And we're not like that, man. We we we're very honest, and you know they're gonna play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're gonna come home Monday rest. You might want to you know hit a, a bullpen on Tuesday. And then, you know, sometimes Wednesday night we're traveling again or, or getting ready to leave early, early, early Thursday. So when we get after it in the summer, I, I just – I'm one of those honest guys. I'm like, hey, you're you're not going to be hitting with us every day in the indoor. You'll be either, get, either playing or getting ready to play. And, and I think that's the best approach for our guys. I know other guys – other programs do different things and they word it different and they kind of, you know, say like, oh, the sticks don't care about development. But we, we care more about development than anybody. We're just not going to lie about it, and, and uh, we're not going to pretend that we're developing in the middle of June. Those guys have been with great high school coaches all fall and all spring, and at that point, you know, you can play or you can. It's not time to, to change your swing 35 games in with, with two weeks left in the summer. Um, so we we that's a long answer to your question the, with the facilities and the training and all that stuff. We have the, we have the, um, the facilities and all that stuff. Sure, but um, we also know that they have great resources and facilities with their high schools on the on the high side. Yeah, so I mean, you've done you, you guys have done a great job these past four or five years building the Arkansas Sticks brand, building the organization as a whole. So now I assume there are players, obviously those Texas guys, Oklahoma guys who are playing on the Sticks. I'm sure there's guys who are reaching out to you to be like, "Hey, how do I play on the Arkansas Sticks?" So what does that tryout slash like player search? process how does that look for the sticks when you guys are finding players to fill out those four or five different teams that are in each age group you know i don't know that there's a simple answer for that we had a left-hander from texas yesterday up to 89 reach out in 24 and i mean you know it's one of the top maybe the top program in the country one time like a left-hander pitched against us 87 89 and after the game, you know, I didn't even know who he was. After the game, I get a message. He was like, Coach, I saw y'all were charting all my pitches. He goes, you know, I think you were maybe relaying. He goes, I, I, there was just a lot going on. I feel like your hitters were a lot more prepared than I was. You know, I, like, how do I play for the sticks? So, honestly, like, this is a cliche that I've talked about. I think it's really just word of mouth. and I think it's just going out there and, and just, you know, we're very, 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 very detail-oriented, at least on Sticks Brewster, that, like – I don't, I'm not a liar. Like, I'm very transparent. And, and so I can't sit here and tell you what every team does every game in the Sticks organization. I'd be lying if I knew that. But, like, in my games, because that's where I'm at, and all the majority of the games that I have been to are because if they didn't do it, we would have got new coaches. Um, you know, we're, we're there early. We're hitting. We're, we're getting after it. We're, um, you know, we have, we have very good systems put in place, and we really care. And, you know, one of the biggest things we harp on the players, or at least I do, is, you know, just play hard for two hours. You can do anything you want to do all day, but we just need to play really hard for two hours. And I think people notice that. And I think, you know, we've done a really good job of, of just playing the game the right way and leaving a good impression. And obviously our uniforms are phenomenal. So I, I don't know that there's a great system. The majority of kids, I would say, come to us. I'd be lying if I said we haven't ever reached out to other another kid. Um, you know, we, we want all the good players we can get. And, and sometimes I think, you know, there's all these things on Twitter and these comments about how they quote unquote steal players or, and not just us, I mean, across the board, but I, I just think, you know, sometimes people don't realize, you know, Charlie Carter, I love Charlie. Charlie came over to us from another organization and, and he'll, he was like, coach, I can't believe like how nice you are, and how great all this stuff is. And, you know, he basically said, 
I'm paraphrasing Charlie if you watch this, he basically said, like, you know, I had no idea this was an option. So, you know, I think sometimes it's important to reach out to players that, you know, let them know that we, we have a spot for them if they would like to play because they they don't know that it's an option. I don't think people turn us down sometimes. I just don't think they know that we do a first-class job and that we would love for them to play with us. These kids only get three summers to play really the good ones. They don't get to play their senior year. And um, I'm all for respect, and, and I'm all for doing things right. And I have a ton of friends in this business, and I, there's definitely a fine line of what's right and what's wrong and, you know, a code of ethics. But at the same time, a lot of people talk about the sticks no matter what we do, and, and I'm a bad guy, quote, unquote, sometimes. So, I mean, if people are going to say stuff like that, we might as well reach out from time to time if we think somebody's a good fit. But we've turned away a lot of good players that I don't think would be a good fit. We had one miserable summer from a player standpoint of personnel, and I don't ever want to do that again. I'd rather lose with great kids that believe in the sticks and that, you know, really care, you know, about the impact they're leaving for the next age group coming behind them than I would win with a group that could care less. So we put a lot of uh, focus on good players and good parents, and it's not a perfect system, but it's been a huge blessing. And, um, you know, we're just going to keep that going. If somebody's got interest in us, we're definitely going to entertain it. If there's a player we think would be a good fit and and we think we offer something better than what we have or than what they currently have, we're we're definitely going to reach out and, um, you know, like I said, it's not a perfect fit, but it, so far it's been a blessing. Yeah. So once a player does make that Arkansas Sticks team, so let's say, um, I mean, I haven't looked at but just so a player on the 15U roster. Do they get sure. a guaranteed spot on that 16U team, or how do they go about like proving proving it for that next summer to make sure that they are on an Arkansas Sticks team? I, I wouldn't say guaranteed spot because you know different things happen, like. Yeah. I would say they get the benefit of the doubt in the first round of refusal is what I would say. If you're on our top 15 team and you are a 92 mile an hour arm and you hit 220, then we need to have a very adult conversation of how you're probably pitching. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You're going to pitch in college. You probably, a lot of our guys have a chance to play pro ball and they have pro aspirations. So I would say a lot of adult conversations more so come about, Hey, you're really just a pitcher. If 15, you know, and a big problem is all these colleges are lying to these kids and saying, well, I don't want to say all because I hate when people say like, oh, all these people. Well, a lot of these colleges are lying to kids and say like, hey, you're a two-way player. And we know they're not. Like, they're not. Like, it's very obvious, but they're trying to recruit them and they want them to feel like they have a chance to hit. So a lot of times I'll hear, well, I'm going to hit in college. And I mean, we know it's not true. And we just, you know, we have to have adult conversation. We've lost players before. We've said, hey, we really want you to play on this top 16 team, but you're not to be a pitcher only. And, uh, you know, the way I look at it is I, I need 10 or 11 hitters that are going to hit in college. That's how you have a good travel team that travels in the summer at Sticks Slayton, Sticks Brewster. I think you need as many POs as you can get. So those are more of the conversations. We, I don't know that we've taken many kids off. Not, not that we wouldn't. I mean, you know, some kids don't grow. Some kids, you know, end up liking football. Some kids can't commit to every weekend. Some kids want to play with other programs. Um, but for the majority of it, we've just, we just need to find good fits for kids. And, um, when, when I say, when you say guaranteed at the next age group, I think it's, it's, uh, um, kind of a guarantee they'll play on a top, a top team. It's just a matter of which top team, because again, it needs to be a good fit for them. Like the one thing that I hate more than anything that makes it hard for me to sleep at night is when I know a really good player has paid and is going to play somewhere and, they're not getting the at-bats they need to get better. Like, 
people think like Chase Brewster is this kind of guy or whatever. At the core, I'm a guy that wants every kid to use our baseball to get better. That's why the way we have set our program up is for every kid to have a team because like if you play at a small 1A school and you're a starter and you're an all-state player, there's a chance you're not as good as this kid at Benville that's 6A or 7A that's on JV. You know, he just happens to live in a different part of the state and go to a different school. So I think it's important that, you know, all the small school kids get a chance to play too. But the only way they're going to get better to have a good spring is to have a good summer. Um, you know, they need more reps. And so, um, you know, we one thing that really just drives me crazy is when we have kids that, you know, they don't get what they need to become a better player. And sometimes – you know, you have to take a step back and you go, hey, like you really just need to pitch against some of the top competition to make you a better pitcher on the mound. I mean, some players are really talented in both sides of it. And they, you know, they, everybody loves to hit. It's fast paced. It's every day. But, you know, then you have to make those personal decisions of do you want to get better on the mound um, and try to get, you know, get ready to play in college or, or play in pro ball. There's very, very, very few two-way players in college. And there's even less in, obviously, in pro ball, no matter what they tell you. So, um, it's not a guarantee to answer the question, but it's it's definitely something that we have had very, very, very few instances where somebody didn't make it uh, in some capacity on the top team. So, so moving into like how you guys are scheduling different events for each team, how far in advance are you guys scheduling for, let's say, that 2023 summer being like, okay, we want to hit this tournament in Atlanta, this tournament in Cary, or this in whatever whatever city that happens to be, whatever tournament happens to be. How far in advance are you guys scheduling for each team just knowing what tournaments they're going to be at uh, that, that, with that um, upcoming summer? You know, I, I don't want to sound like bragful or whatever, but I mean, like we – I'd say this was all due, like, respect and humble. Like, you know, we can pretty much play anything we want to right now. It's really a matter of the dates. Um, the big thing is, you know, we, we got in the other day, like, I don't want to call nobody out, but we got invited to an event last week. Could, I think it's going to be a really good event. Um, and they're bringing in eight teams and they're paying for everything and there's no – there's, like, taking care of lodging and there's no fee and all this stuff. And we get down to the end and I was very interested. They were naming off all these top teams and, and they're going to take, like, I think it was eight teams. And he goes, we're going to play, like, July 16th to the 20th. And I was like, hey, do you already have the PG schedule for next summer? And he's like, no, why? And I'm like, well, they've WWBA has been, like, three different dates the last three years. They like never crossed this guy's mind that it could be a conflict. Like we just don't know. I mean, it might not be, but it could be right in the middle of like last year, day day BA for 17, you was the July 7th through the 14th. Um, I'm not gonna turn around and leave there and go to Ohio or wherever it was at, you know, and play on the 16th. So the events that we're getting invited to are is fantastic and um, sometimes overwhelming, but it's just a matter of the dates. I mean, um, you know. I love Jeff Petty and those guys. The Canes told me this summer, Jeff told me that, you know, we're going to be at the Ultimate Baseball Classic next summer, the UBC. Um, so we're, I know we're going to that, but we don't have the dates. I just spoke with Team USA uh, probably last week. They're in the process of hiring a new, I guess, tournament director. And they said we'd hear from them in October. I mean, they don't even have a director and they don't have the dates. And last, maybe two weeks ago, a kid told me, oh, well, I'm thinking about playing with so-and-so because they're going to USA. And I'm like, nobody knows who's going to USA. They just reached out to me. Um, I, it wasn't – I guess it was about a week ago that kid told me that. But anyway, so um, I think the biggest drawback right now, it's not the dates or, or it's not – it is the dates. It's not where we want to go or what events. 
Um, you know, we want to play in the UBC. We want to play in USA. We're going to go to WWBA. Obviously, Pete Perving has been extremely well to us. And um, there's other events that they have, PG Select and, you know, PG National. And, and uh, the PBR Showdown has been a huge event for us. So all of these events, you know, we get invited to the MPI every year. Um, all of these events mean a lot to us. And, and we, we've been to the BCS the last two years. The two years before that, we went to the PG World Series. They have like a one-day gap. So you got to get from Arizona to Florida and vice versa. So um, just really waiting for the dates to come out. We, we kind of know what we want to do in our mind, um, but just waiting for the dates to come out and logistically figure it all out. It is very hard to get to anywhere from the state of Arkansas. And the good thing about it is, like, you know, we do have kids from all over, and they kind of have to go to the same places. You know, everybody was going to Hoover last year when we were there. Everybody was going to go to Atlanta. You know, Atlanta a couple times. Everybody was going to go to, you know, either Arizona or Florida. So I don't think it's a huge inconvenience for our kids, especially at 17 U. It's just a matter of, you know, we try to do things very professional, get our uniforms or get our um, hotels as soon as we can, you know, get our, um, you know, just our travel itinerary down so that way our parents don't have to wonder. So it's more so just waiting on everybody to get all their dates together. And of course, you know, USA will get their dates or whoever will get their dates out first. And we'll be waiting on the next one and then we'll be waiting on the next one. So last year, Perfect Game got their stuff out of streaming early and everybody kind of followed suit. So hopefully that'll happen again and we'll be able to know exactly what we're doing next time. Yeah. So obviously for the most part, I mean, there's there's Lake Point and East Cobb there in Atlanta. There's the tournament in Hoover. I've mentioned Cary a couple of times and you guys are going to Jupiter. Um, are there other events on that West Coast of the United States? Or for the most part, is most of these big time tournaments down there in uh, the, the Southern, like Southeast part? Because obviously, I mean, all these big time travel ball company, uh, travel ball organizations are going there down East for the most part of the summer. So is there a lot of tournaments out West that you guys are going to, or is it mostly these ones that I kind of mentioned there? You know, we went to the PG World Series twice in Arizona. Um, and that was a big event. Again, it's not that and Marcus, if you're Bojo, if you hear this, we love you, man. You do a great job. And um, we would love to go every year. It's just the dates, you know. Um it's just it, it's just just sucks. I mean, flat out just sucks that you know you can't do more. The the UBC is becoming the biggest event, and luckily we're invited to the east one, which is at West Palm, but they have a west one also for the West Coast teams. I think Trotsky and those guys played in it maybe last year maybe NorCal. So they have that. Um, those are the two big events on the West Coast, I think. And then, you know, they have a bunch of events on the West Coast that like our our, our Southwest group plays. And now the Arizona Fall Classic, which is huge. But if I haven't been able to go to it because we've been doing, you know, the perfect game stuff's kind of at the same time. So like we'll be in the underclass in Fort Myers while the, um, the Arizona Fall Classic older group's going on. So it's just a, man, it's, it's just a, Every weekend, I feel like there's somewhere somewhere to go and something to do. And um, Perfect Game is slowly growing on the West Coast. But, um, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, every kid wants to play in PG or PBR, and they just don't ever stop. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where they, you know, we just kind of go where the kids tell us to go. We don't, you know, it doesn't matter to me. We'll go wherever. Um, it, it's just really a matter of what our parents and kids want to do. And from there, we'll do it. We uh, – I think we're going to go back to Phoenix this year for the MLK tournament. We won it out there and, and I don't know, maybe 2017 and got beaten the finals by Northeast in 18, made the semis in 19, and then we won it. They moved it to Houston in 2020 and we won it there. And then last year we got beaten the semis by Northeast again in Florida. So I think we're going to go back to Arizona this January. That's a huge event. 
Um, so really, it's just a matter. Again, it's the same concept. I mean, it's going on in Florida at the same time as going on in Arizona. So sometimes you just got to pick your battles and, and uh, see what the kids want to do. But Arizona's it's obviously a great place to be, and it's, it's always 75 degrees in the winter, and it's uh, a bunch of great fields and a great complex. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so every year for the most part, I mean, you, you, you guys constantly have guys who are committed to power five schools. I mean, I believe it was one year what you guys had like nine guys going to Arkansas or so it was something crazy like that. So what role are you playing in a lot of these guys recruiting processes? Like, how do you help them through it? Um, are they asking you different questions? Do you have good relationships with some uh, college baseball programs around the nation or how, how just take us through what your role kind of is when it comes to helping these kids um, choose the right school and just get connected with college coaches when they should be. Well, I appreciate that. We've been super fortunate in the fact that we've had just so many good players, man. I mean, it's, I haven't taught anyone how to throw 95 or hit, you know, 500. I mean, we've had extremely, extremely successful players and we've been able to um, help a lot of guys achieve their dreams, which is what this is hundred percent all about. You know, I think our schedule plays a large testament to it. And I think our honesty with colleges, um, it'd be super easy and almost the easy thing to do for me to sit up here and, you know, brag and, and answer the question of, oh, I know this school and that school and I've done this. And, you know, um, just just going to take the high road and say that the kids have done everything and, and we have been a small vehicle to their success. And I think the schedule really plays a huge role in that. And I think our honesty with colleges when they do call or we reach out to them, I mean, very rarely, if ever, will you hear somebody say that we lied about, you know, a person's work ethic or their talent or, you know, what they can or can't do or can and can't afford. I think, um, you know, the biggest thing that we do or I do is, um, you know, wanting to word this correctly is just making sure I, I, we try to make sure that everything is very, very honest. Like if a kid says, Hey, I want to go to Tennessee. I mean, you know, not to name drop, but, but obviously I love Tony and Tony's a very good friend of mine. If, if, if Tony has sent coach Elander to watch us play twice and nobody's offered to you, it doesn't matter how much you want to go to Tennessee. Same thing with Arkansas. If you want to go to Arkansas and, and coach Hobbs and coach Thompson's come to watch you play and they've watched over and over and nobody said, Hey, call me. You know, I have to then say, like, you know, there's nothing more you can probably do. You hit two doubles in front of them and nobody seemed to care. So I think just being honest and, you know, giving guys options, you know, we just – I just talked to um, a parent yesterday and they're like, well, we want to go to this school and whatever. And I said, hey, I think, like, Southern Illinois would be a great fit. She goes, well, where's that? And I was like, well, they're top 25 two years ago. You know, Lance Rose has done a phenomenal job. He's coming from Missouri. They have great facilities. You should check it out. Now, you know, they're learning about a new school they didn't know about. It fit all the needs he needed academically. Like financially, it's a fit. Lance does a fantastic job, and they're always going to compete. So I think just giving kids um, data, basically we live in a data world, and that's what I consider data, of just going like, hey, everybody wants to be a Razorback. On all 50 states, I mean, I got kids from Hawaii and everywhere in between. We need to make sure that we know that there's other options out there to get a great education, to play in a great league to have a chance to get drafted because that's what, you know, pretty much every kid's goal it is and making sure that they know education is important. And, you know, there's factors like, hey, you know, parents want to watch you play, you know, you, you know, travel, you're not, you know, just different stuff. And I think just being a big brother to them or as I get older, maybe even, a you know, uh, some of what of a father figure, just sometimes telling them, like, hey, this is a bad idea. Like, you don't need to go there. We had a kid not too long ago. I mean, um, 
Big 12 school was recruiting him to pitch. He didn't want to pitch. He wanted to hit. He's very adamant he doesn't want to pitch. The Big 12 school told him that they didn't want him to hit. And I just had to be like a big brother and go, you're not going there. Like, it, you're going to transfer. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be in the portal. And I think that's our responsibility now that, you know, we have no skin in the game as far as it doesn't matter to me. Like, I love when kids commit. And um, Tommy Rule from New York, he's played with us for two years. He's a great kid. He committed to Southern Arkansas. I was as fired up for him, you know, to commit to a D2 school as I was to have our first eighth grade to commit to Division One. It, it doesn't matter to me where they play, it just matters to me as I get older that they don't transfer, that, you know, they don't go to a school and they think that somebody gave them bad information about what the school was going to be like. So we try to be very open in those situations. We connect them with any school they need to talk to or that they want to talk to, and we just make sure financially and, and realistically it's a, a possibility, and, and academically as well, it's a possibility for them. And, and we just let the colleges know that they got interest and, uh, what we think of the player, and then we try to set it up where they can play in front of them. And that goes all the way down to junior college, and that goes down to Division two and NAIA. I mean, there's a place for every kid to play. And we just got to make sure we help any way we can. So when it comes to those relationships with those college coaches that you've mentioned, obviously, I mean, you have relationships with the Power 5 schools all the way down to the JUCO, Division two, Division three. Um, so when did you start building a lot of these relationships with coaches? Was it like right away in 2017 when you started the Sticks? And then overall, how have you slowly just evolved these relationships with a lot of these college coaches around the nation? Um, it really was from the start, to be honest, because Connor Nolan was uncommitted and Jacoby Jackson was uncommitted and Connor could have played at East School in the country, like literally. So Connor was getting pulled in a lot of different directions um, because he wanted to play football. He ended up did playing football at Arkansas before he went full-time baseball. But, you know, we had all these conversations about Connor and really about Jacoby. I mean, Jacoby was such a good high school player at a young age. And, um, so that really started it. And it grew into Connor McCullough had committed. He played with a different organization. He committed to Oklahoma. Oklahoma had kind of deadlined him, like, during the College World Series. Marcus College playing. So um, when Connor came to play with us, um, he had, like, maybe – I don't remember the exact timeline. Maybe a deep committed. And, you know, Arkansas really wanted him. And Connor was such a good player and such a great kid. Um, so it just – Right away, we had instant, like, high-impact kids that were going to help right away, and everybody wanted them, especially Connor. Like, Connor was the one that really opened it up. And then, I mean, from there, you know, Jaden Hill was on those first two teams. He was up to 95. His brother was a 10th rounder. I mean, this was somebody that, you know, we loved and adored. I mean, he walked my mother-in-law down the aisle of my wedding, um, and, and he could go to any school in the country, ended up going to LSU and being a second rounder. So, immediately, we had high-impact players that could go anywhere in the country and they kind of slow played the process to where most people were committing to Arkansas right away. They kind of waited it out and kind of saw what the best option was. And, you know, Jacoby ended up going junior college first, which was a better option at the time we thought for him. Um, so, you know, it just, it started right away, but the connection stayed, I really believe, cause we were honest, like, you know, we, we were honest about what a kid could do. I'll be the first one to, like, tell, like, I'm not going to ever dog a kid out, but I'll say, like, hey, he needs to grow up or, coach, he, you know, if he gets his body in shape, he'll be really good or, you know, whatever. So we, we were just very honest, and, and I consider a lot of these guys friends. I mean, Noah Sanders and, and um, Joey Hawkins at Missouri State, Noah at Little Rock and, you know, or Nate at Arkansas. I mean, these guys are guys that we talk to once or twice a week and, and guys that I consider friends and, you know, something Zach Bottoms told me a long time ago. He said, you always have a lot of friends while you got good players. And 
you know, hopefully we'll have good players forever and, and we'll have a bunch of friends forever. But, um, you know, so far it, it's, we've treated a lot of people well. They've treated us well. And, and uh, it, the main thing is the kids are getting to, getting to pick the schools they want to play at for the most part. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's a happy, it's a happy outcome whenever the kid gets to play the school they want to go to and the colleges get a kid that they want. And, and hopefully, you know, all we can hope is that when they leave us, it works out and that they don't end up in the portal. So you talk about the relationships you had with college coaches. So how does this change when you kind of build relationships with agents slash advisors? Because obviously when you, when you're dealing with some of these guys who are going to be first, second, third round picks, um, they're having advisors reach out to them. So do you play a role or have you, have you built any relationships with an MLB agents slash advisors at all throughout these past couple of years? Oh yeah. 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 And I love it, man. Like we were one of the first, I feel like to embrace the draft and the agents and talking about it. And, you know, I, I told somebody a couple of years ago, somebody said, you know, well, I don't even know why we're going to talk about that. And I was like, Hey, if he was first in this class academically, we'd be talking about Harvard. And they were like, well, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things to me where every kid wants to play in the MLB. I have no idea if they will. It's not up to me. Unfortunately, I wish it was, I wish they all were first rounders, but some are just more talented than others. And, and when you mix in working really hard, uh, you know, just a drive to be a great player like a Jaden Hill or a Tink Hintz or a Mason Wynn or a Logan O'Hoppy or a Connor Nolan. I mean, they're going to get drafted. I mean, we know they're going to get drafted and we're lying or delaying the inevitable if we think they're not. So, you know, I think all good players should have agents. And I've went out of my way to to try to have as good a relationship with agents as I can. Agents can single-handedly run a summer program if if you, you know, if you're dishonest, if you um, you know, if you if you lie or, you know, whatever, if you just, you know, main thing, try to take one kid away from an agent and give them to another, which happens in a lot of programs. We just, again, it goes back to what we talked about the last hour plus. I mean, just treating people right. We've, we've been respectful to all agents. We've listened to everybody's concerns. We've, you know, we especially on the pitching side, I think for the majority of the time we have done right on the mound. And, and we've just really – you know, we've had different situations with agents. We've had to clean things up on the PR side. We've had to, you know, clean up stuff on the side of, hey, he doesn't throw strikes. Or, you know, we, we've just done everything we needed to do on our end to help any way we can again. Agents are another vehicle, in my opinion, of just the, the tools to success um, that kids need to, to have a shot to play pro ball. And, and we've built some great relationships. Craig Rose was in my wedding. Andrew Guerra was at my wedding. Um, and, and just Kenny Felder and BP and, and uh, you know, I could really go on and on about agents. Um, Jonathan Mauer, those, those guys are great and they've they've all done good for me. And, and um, you know, anytime my agent is involved, I'm super respectful and I want to help any way I can. And I think that's the attitude you have to have. And any, I feel like anybody that says that that's not true either doesn't have enough good players to really know how multiple agents work. Because you you have to like at the end of the day, what I want and theoretically what the agent wants is the same thing, and that's for the kid to be super successful. So, um, you know, again, I think that people are lying if they say that uh, agents don't play a big part in it. And you know, we want to make sure we're on the same page with all those guys. So we've had a ton of a ton of success with agents on our side, and, and I hope it keeps growing, and hope we keep getting our kids with great people and. Uh, you know, we keep meeting good agents all the time. Just got to meet with Brody Van Wagner over Rock Nation not too long ago. I mean, another great guy. Um, so we just we just want to keep getting our guys with great people and, and letting those people help them and making sure that everybody's taken care of. Yeah. 
So moving into actually, you guys are the three and two Arkansas sticks. You've mentioned a couple times here this past hour or so about your guys' great uniforms. I mean, you go to a baseball tournament and you'd see the Arkansas sticks. One of the first things you notice besides the great players are those cool, just unique uniforms you guys have. So how did you guys get connected with three and two? And then how did you guys like build this relationship to now it's kind of like a partnership where you guys are called the three and two Arkansas sticks? We, we, uh, we started out as majestic in that first year and then they went away. You know, they stopped doing it to where like just anybody could get it and they kind of lost their deal with MLB or, or I don't really know their business. But so then that was kind of out and our youth team was going with Adidas and our high school team was going with New Balance and I didn't own the team then. So I don't really know kind of the whole situation financially or just, uh, you know, what what the situation was behind the scenes, but nobody was ever happy. Like stuff wasn't right. And we were just kind of open. Like I took over that next year and, and, and we were trying to figure things out. And we won the MLK tournament in 2017. Josh Pollock reached out from three and two on a Tuesday. We, were, we won it on Monday. We were coming back on Tuesday, reached out and, and just randomly by the grace of God, I don't know how it all happened. It was one of the biggest blessings I've ever had. And, um, you know, Josh Pollock and Derek Hemingway from three and two both ended up coming to my wedding from Orlando. Um, you know, love those guys. Josh has moved on, but, but Derek is a great guy. Sean Murphy, their CEO, he's just, they've been phenomenal. And, um, you know, it's like anything else. They, we've, we've had hiccups or whatever, but they've been great to, to try to fix it. And, uh, you know, COVID, we were, I was going into the business front of it at the same time trying to, you know, learn things on the fly and, and run a small business is, you know, not too long after COVID hit and that caused production problems and shipping problems. And, you know, we've done everything we need to do to just kind of kind of change those things and kind of make sure we're a step ahead of everybody else. We I added three and two um, to the name because I, I wanted it to be a part of who we were for the brand. Like we have some really great programs that are with us, the South Charlotte Panthers, Team Louisiana. Um, you know, there's a lot clutch baseball. There's a lot, but um, I, I wanted to help any way I can. The product's phenomenal, like phenomenal. And if you put it on a table with Adidas or Nike or whatever, um, you know, it's going to feel just as good, if not better, than everything. And, and they give top-of-the-line sublimation, and, and they treat us right. So it, it's been a huge blessing. And I put it in there on purpose because it was something that I wanted to be synonymous with us and that people know that we love those guys. And, and you know, um, a lot of good programs. Like I said, Orlando Scorpions came back. Uh, this year, and, and, and there's been some, and on the softball side, they have a bunch as well. So I just wanted to, to help thank those guys and help it grow, and they've been really good to us, and our kids love it, and we always seem to look the part and look better than everybody else. So that that that's always been really cool as, um, you know, our uniforms being standoffish. Mm -hmm. So you talked about here a couple of times about some of your former players be actually being in your wedding. So that means you still have good relationships with a lot of your former players. So how do you keep these good relationships from your former players who are off? I mean, they're they're playing all the time. Let's say for Connor Nolan, now he's playing every day in a pro organization, a bunch of other guys. How do you just continue having that relationship? And overall, another this is going to be kind of a loaded question, but for some of those guys who are drafted in those top couple rounds, how, like when do you kind of notice that they're going to be like a special prospect and have that ability to be drafted very high in the draft in the upcoming years? You know, I think the I think the relationships are the easiest part because it's organic. I mean, again, like the theme of every question has been we treat people right. And, you know, we me and my wife got married and, and uh, we had five ushers and all five of them played with us. And 
it wasn't a PR stunt. It was very organic. And, and uh, you know, Jaden Hill walked her mom down the aisle. Uh, Kaysen Talel walked my mom down. Braylon Bishop and Jesse Pierce held the door open for my wife to walk through. And, and Austin Ledbetter held um, – he held her dress as she came down to the treehouse. So, it's it's just been very organic. Those were five people that we spent every day with in the summer and a lot of the fall. And, and they were just great kids and just people that – we wanted to be a part of a huge moment of our life. And, and hopefully, um, you know, when we look back on it 20 years from now, they're all successful husbands and businessmen and, and fathers. And, and uh, it was it was just a, a, a cool moment to, to look back on. But, um, you know, I think fortunately for us, I will say the majority, if not all of our kids that have gotten drafted have been great people. I mean, Mason Wynn is the greatest leader I've ever been around. I don't even know who would be second. Um, you know, Logan O'Hoppy is one of the greatest human beings I've ever been fortunate enough to be. You know, Wade Beasley's back coaching with us now. He got drafted by the Brewers. I mean, these are just – Connor Nolan's unbelievable, man. He just uh, – you know, I love talking to Connor. And, and uh, you know, we've talked several times this past week just randomly. And, and uh, you know, I like keeping up with people, but, but I like people. And, and a lot of these relationships are just very, very organic. And uh, I'm very – I'm all. I'm not one of those guys that's bitter. Like I don't root against people. I'm very happy for people, and I, I'm just generally happy that a lot of our guys are being, you know, successful. And and not not even our guys. I mean, I'm happy that you know Casey Martin and, and Caden Wallace and some of these guys that played with the other program in the state. I mean, they, you know, they're having success. I think it's great, man. A lot of these people are great kids that are becoming great young men, and they've really represented the state of Arkansas really well. And, and it's just fun. And, it's exciting to me to build some of these relationships and to get to see them grow and to get to see kids just 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 grow up, man, is a blessing and uh, it's something I'm for. So I love it, man. I, I love uh, I love watching people just just kind of blossom and kind of kind of become a butterfly. And, and I just you know reach out to them time to time, let them know I'm here for me the way I can. And I'll help them any way I can. Yeah. All right. So down to my one last question of the podcast. So. Okay. I'm- you guys are an established organization already. I mean, you can tell by these last, I don't know, however long it's been, like hour, 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you can go through, I mean, you know that the Arkansas Sticks are a great organization. But what is your vision as you guys head into the future, head into the 2023 summer, 24, 25? Just what's your vision? What are some goals you have as you head into these next couple of years? I think our vision is the same from when we started in 2017. It's just on a larger scale. Like our vision is more kids, uh, getting at bats in the summer to to uh, get get better to play at their high schools to play at college when they get there as a freshman to you know more kids to get drafted and just to to take it globally as we can I mean we we want to impact as many lives as we can and to help as many kids as we can play college baseball and to, and to make and meet people from different cities and towns and states and sometimes countries we just want to keep that growing man it's uh it's been a blessing, and I think almost a duty at this point, and a responsibility to help to help grow and to help um, to be a part of change. Like I started my own podcast, the Chase Grisha Show, and the main reason I started because I want to be a part of change. I want to be a part of of something good, and and I want to help change, and I want to inspire, and I want to motivate, and I and I just want to you know as I get older and and we move into this second part of my career. I want to make sure that what we're doing can help change lives at a higher level. I mean, we've done it and, and we're going to keep doing it, but we want to, you know, we want to do more and give back and help in communities. And uh, that, that's really big on my heart right now. 
so I just, you know, I just want to keep touching as many kids as we can and, and hoping that they start touching kids. We got kids growing up and, you know, Jaden and some of these guys, they want to give back to their community and they bounced ideas off us. And, um, me and Willie Prince are, are, you know, Black Cobra coming up with ways to try to force some stuff to help give back. But, man, we just – I love Texarkana. You know, I love Texarkana baseball. I went to Texas High. I love Texas High. I'm a proud alumni. I want to uh, – you know, some of my goals are to keep getting, you know, keep helping Texarkana baseball become uh, the best that it can be and help kids play college baseball and help all these high schools try to win state championships. Um, you know, just through giving their kids reps in the summer. And I want to help the state of Arkansas. I love the state of Arkansas. It's been as good to me as any state could ever be to somebody that's not from there. And, you know, I just want to keep keep helping everybody. And I hope everybody we help will help somebody. And I hope those guys will help somebody. And I hope we'll just keep turning over rocks and, uh, you know, keep keep changing lives and just keep this thing going. And hopefully it'll cause a domino effect and we can all be a part of the change is what I hope for uh, the future. So talking about the Chase Brewster show, by the time that this episode is going to air, you'll be two episodes in on your show already. Starting September 19th, for everyone listening, what should they expect from the Chase Brewster show? What's some things you got going on there? And overall, just what, what are you hoping to do with, with your with your show? So, man, this was probably three or four years in the making. Like, we really – it was a vision that we had, and we really wanted to do – just just something and it's changed a bunch of different times but finally just said hey now's the time it was it was something on my heart for a long time it's just been easy we've shot I think four episodes um the first one's going to air one week from today on the 19th for me and Dirk Kenny uh, a scout from the St. Louis Cardinals and man just the whole vision was just wanting to give back like like as I'm getting older for the hundredth time I said that I look back and a huge part of who I've become is podcasts and interviews and reading and you know, just, just like, I'm one of those guys, like, I, I just want to watch successful people and I want to listen to their interviews and I want to see what makes somebody successful, successful. And they don't, they don't have to do anything with baseball. And that's kind of what I wanted the Chase Brewster show to watch. I, I don't care. Like I, it's human nature is to, you know, we want to do great and we want the views to whatever, but I just want, like, if one person gets something from it, then that's great. And that's what I really want. And that's true. I'm going to try hard not to look at the views. I care less about the retweets and all that stuff. I just want to help people. I have I have been super fortunate to have some of the best friends in the world, people that I talk to every day that I love and adore and that have just been so good to me. And they need to be heard. I mean, the Dirk Kennys of the world, the Black Cobras of the world, the Steve Landers of the world, um, they, they just need, the, they need a platform to talk about you know, some of the stuff that's important to them, to be completely honest, and nobody will believe this, in my mind and in my opinion, the Chase Brewster show has very little to do with Chase Brewster. I think it's my job and my responsibility to get a lot of people I care about on camera and to ask the right questions. And, and that's what I want to do it for. I want to do it to help young people listening, old people, I mean, anyone in between. But, you know, maybe it's a young athlete that wants to know what it's like, you know, what, what it's like to get drafted and what scouts look for, which is something me and Dirt talked about. You know, me and Black Cobra talked about some stuff that, you know, I didn't know he went through personally and what, you know, he wasn't an artistic guy growing up and he, he just randomly brought a camera because something affected him. And, you know, we talked about that in episode two. So, um, you know, I want a lot more than just baseball. I want media. I want, you know, lawyers. I want coaches. I want Scouts, I want something that somebody can tune in to watch and to get something from that has nothing to do with how to hit a 2-0 fastball or how to throw a break ball. That, that stuff doesn't really matter to me. 
right now. What matters is we can just help. I can help by getting really talented and successful people on camera with me. Um, that'll, you know, I know let their guard down because they trust me and they know me and we're genuinely friends and get it all on video for hopefully at least one person to watch and to, you know, maybe change something in, in their life that could help them uh, make them a better person or, or player or whatever it is. So that that's my goal and that's what I hope we see. And hopefully, whether it's a couple episodes or a million episodes, hopefully each episode will touch somebody different and we can just keep this thing going. Yeah. Well, I am, def- I am definitely looking forward to next Monday, September 19th, when you do launch that first one. I'm really I'm really excited to see how you go about it, um, the guys that you're interviewing. Obviously, I know Willie Prince as well, so I'm curious to see what his his interview is like. Um, you said you interviewed Connor as well, so I'm just really excited to see where you're going with that. Obviously, the Sticks programs, like like we've talked about this entire time, already state-of-the-art. It's a great organization. I'm really excited to have the JKR podcast be a part of be a part of spotlight and you guys i mean i know we've got 2025 20, heck maybe even 30 episodes coming out here these next month month and a half two months so i'm really excited to be partnering with you i really want to thank you for that and like i said just i i'm really looking forward to seeing where the chase brewster show goes and i'll definitely be making sure we keep this relationship good um as i move into my next phase of my career once i graduate and becoming becoming an advisor slash agent so I'm really looking forward to everything you've got going on. So I really appreciate. Um, well, and I, and I appreciate that. And anybody watching this, I, I want to say, you know, I met JR at, uh, I think it was either Hoover or Atlanta this summer, maybe WWBA, but, you know, I'm not saying this just because it's your show, but, but first of all, I'm super, super appreciative that you had me on, but I, I just want anybody listen to know that it is instrumental in putting the vision in place early and the process is a huge part of that and you know with you you were out working when you didn't have to on your own dime you know handing out business cards and just letting people know that hey it's never like if i graduate or you know whatever every time i've heard you talk it's hey when i graduate i'm going to be an agent or an advisor and i I wish you nothing but the best and and i know that i'll be pulling for you because um you know hard work and, and and just loving something is kind of a dying art and, you know, I'm not one to set up here and say, you know, you need to do this or do that. But what I will say is you'll go a long way in this business. And, and anybody listening to this, it's really it'll take off, man, when you just when you put everything aside and you just put the vision in front of you and you go like, hey, this is so short sighted. Like, you know, when do you graduate? Uh, so it'd be spring of 2024. So spring of 2024, it feels like forever. It'll be here before you know it, and then you'll be 30, and then you'll be 40, and you'll look back, and you'll go, hey, I spent six or eight months, 12 months, 18 months grinding it out and going to games on my own dime and doing my own podcast and handing out cards, and now I'm successful. Now I have my own firm, and I think it just comes to fruition of just the vision of not ever, you know, using words like if or when, you know, if or, you know, when this happens or if this happens, and more so it's like, no, when I graduate, I'm going to – you know, instead of if, it's more win. And, man, we're super happy for you and pulling for you, man. Like I said, I appreciate you having me on, and we look forward to watching your success in the future. And if I can ever help in any way, please let me know. I, I really I really appreciate that. Um, Coach, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Coach Chase or Brewster, however you want me to pronounce you. Yeah, as yeah. I, I know I know Willie calls you Brewster all the time. but no, just well, really I've been called a lot worse, so either <laughs> one of those would be fine. Yeah. All right, coach. Well, thanks for coming on the show and hope you have a great day and uh, good luck with the Chase Brewster show. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.
And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR Podcast, episode number one of four this weekend, episode number one of however many episodes I'm doing in this Arkansas Stick series. Just a huge thank you to Coach Brewster, Chase Brewster, for hopping on the show. I want to thank him for also helping me set this entire thing up. Like I said before, great organization. I'm really excited to just dig into it, how the organization got so great, how it's uh, worked its way around the nation just to help all these young kids, help all these young prospects. Um, But here, as we round off the week, we still have three prospects coming on here to end the weekend. Uh, starting tomorrow, we got Sam Silas. 2023 commit 20, 2023 commit for Jacksonville State. Then Saturday we got Brex Caldwell 2024 commit for Oklahoma State. And then on Sunday to round off week 1, we got Logan Davis 2023 commit to Arkansas Little Rock. Then we got another great weekend, oh, another great week going on next week. Already starting to interview some of those guys, some big time guys coming on next week and these weeks prior and these weeks coming up as well. Um, but for any more updates on the podcast to check out who's coming on, just some check check out some quotes from from all these guys check out our social media and our website social media is going to be at jkr underscore podcast on instagram twitter and tiktok website is going to be www.jkrpodcast.com but with that being said i'll catch you guys the rest of this week for the rest of the interviews you guys have a great day